nearing the time of my passing, bless the marriage of these two, Tremus and Cassio. Cassio Cassio's betrayed you all. Don't complete the transition. Do your duty, Catiora. Complete transition. Don't listen to my counsel. Complete transition. No, Catiora. Transition complete. It is done, Melka. Oh, no, Cassio. It is only beginning. <laughs> Today's episode. So I was straining through bus windows, looking and seeing bits of the Keeper of Trakan in people's living rooms from a bus. I'm going to just press the button anyway because I've kind of committed to it yes. in my head and I hate changing my mind. Yes. All I could think of in my head was screaming Brexit when she was pressing that button. The literal, actual, practical disempowering of a woman. Hello. Hello. And welcome. To World Enough and Time. Feeling a bit like you've just watched Eurovision? Wee bit! Wee bit! Oh, I know. It may be. August, Two, September, I don't know. <laughs> but for us, it feels like yesterday. Yes, your vision was quite definitely a lot like yesterday. Oddly. But I think the song that perhaps made the most impact on us was the glorious Australian entry. Yes, which now that you've all forgotten two months on, you need to go and re-listen to. <laughs> Zero Gravity, classic. They was robbed. It was robbed. Katie Miller Heitke. Heitke. Good. Good memory. So, we're back on the pond, pondcast bagwagon. Bagwagon? The podcast bagwagon. I'm always on the podcast bagwagon. <laughs> Sometimes I fall off the, the bagwagon. <laughs> Good. But I'm very much on the bagwagon. Stay now. on the ground waiting for the wagon to go over your head. <laughs> <laughs> Rude. So, Hello. Hi. Uh, Hello. You're here still. Will you just leave? It's so rude. I've had enough. So, I'm pleased to still be here, but if you want me to leave, I could no. go tomorrow on the next flight <gasps> out via Hong Kong. Oh, no, you are doing. I am doing selfish, that. selfish, aren't you? Yes, I think I am. Yeah, no, it, it is quite shit that you're going, but we've had some fun. We have had some fun. Not the best Doctor Who experience. We've, we've enjoyed the episodes we've watched, the stories we've watched, I should yeah. say, but they haven't blown us away until <gasps> today's story. Oh, are you talking for me now? <gasps> oh, is that how we do it? You just tell me my opinions, is that I'll it? I'll tell you the opinion. <laughs> what you don't understand is I tell her beforehand whether she likes things or not, oh, and then she know. responds. Yeah, tell her! Because it's actually quite secretly a patriarchal podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not. So, anyway, before we get to that excitement, 
oh my god, let's muse over what we think might have happened in the previous Hall of Fame. <laughs> we have no idea. Who can say? <laughs> but well done for voting. Yeah. We thank you for your votes. Well done for making Bashinsky the winner. Mm-hmm. Good job. And if you really do enjoy the podcast, please do review us on Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. And please do follow us on Twitter at World Enough Pod. And just say hello. Just let us know that you care. It means more than you realise. It really does. Sometimes we just sit there crying. crying weeping the, openly. Yes, just at the, the kind, heartfelt words that we can read. It's true. That's true. true. It's kind of true. It's really, really true. Right, so I love it. Love it. What do you love? When I am in charge of quizzing. I, I don't love it quite so much. Yeah. Um, I, I still haven't worked out what I'm going to do. I'm I'm frantically IMDBing in hope that something's going to jump out at me. I'm shocked that she's on IMDB for this quiz. Because usually she's the one of the pair of us who's more prepared and sorted. And yeah, I, I like all those to call words. myself little organiser lady. Yeah. Right, um, or lol for short. Yeah. <laughs> So what have we got this month, lol? Um, right, just bear with me. Bear with. Bear with. Bear with. <laughs> I'll play a bit of bear with in now. If you could. Oh, hang on. Bear with. Bear with. <laughs> bear with. <laughs> Back. Yeah, no, I think I've, I feel inspired now. Something's just popped into my head. While you're feeling inspired, can I just say hello to a few people? Oh, for goodness sake. Yes. Lisa and Andrew from around the archives. City of Jeff. Um, hello. People from the Exxon Moss Experiment. Martin Holmes. Um, Andrew Sandfly. Who else? Lots of people Lovely that we like. We love Danny Blackburn. Oh, all the people who we like. All the people. Yeah, if we didn't mention you, we still like you. We just forgot you momentarily. Right. It's quiz! <laughs> I'm still not entirely there with what this quiz is. That fills me with confidence. Does it, does it. Right, so, um, we're getting close. So, I thought we'd, go, we'd diversify into the new, advent, the new Doctor Who adventures. Oh, I thought it was the new adventures then. What are you talking about? The new Doctor Who Adventures or the new Adventures? I don't know what you're talking about now. Okay, what I'm talking about is the books that we read. The Virgin New Adventures. Yes! That is the new Adventures. Yes! Or, or if you're especially familiar with them, the NAs. Oh, the NAs. Yes, sweetie. darling, sweetie darling. Right, okay, so I would like you to tell me the name of the book that had the first ex- the first appearance of, and I don't know how to say this because it's a book, Kadiatu Lethbridge Stewart. Ooh, I think that might be the book Transit. <gasps> Good job! Was that right? That was Correcticus Potts. I'm very pleased. Good. Okay. Can you please tell me what summary this is referring to? Heaven is a paradise for both humans and draconians. Ooh. Should I know this? I think so. <coughs> I don't know. I don't think it feels like what I read. Oh, really? Yeah. 
You have to give me the answer. Sorry, I don't know. I might show you the picture, even though it's not going to help. Oh, I do know. Yes, see? Cheat box. Love and War. Correct. By Paul Cornell. Why did that not ring a bell, for goodness sake? I didn't remember that the planet was called Heaven, but that's where they picked up Benny, wasn't it? The first time. Oh, was that the first Benny story? Okay. Now you're learning, aren't you? <laughs> I am learning a lot. Okay, so... It's set on Earth. Set in the near future, all too near. Gosh. Um, there is multinational corporations and super rich individuals uniting in a last desperate effort Ooh. not to save humankind but to buy themselves immortality in a poisoned world name me that story i don't think i read it but i think it was war child <gasps> no oh. war 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 lord <laughs> war. war war lock War hit on the head. <laughs> so close. War thump. <laughs> Remove the hit on the. <laughs> War head. <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> oh, that was that was so good. War hit on the head. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I'm doing well at this quiz. Amazing. Right. Well, let me tell you. You tell me, and I'll listen. Ace is not impressed. No. Kirith. Has all the appeal okay. of a wet weekend in Margate, and its inhabitants look like third-rate Aussie soap stars. Tell me the story. Falls the shadow. No, it's an early on one. Oh, how early? I'll say time worm early. Is that early? It's a time worm one. Yeah. Well, it must therefore be. The third one that I don't remember. So there was Genesis, Exodus, that one, and then there was Revelation. <laughs> Apocalypse hey! by, by Nigel Robinson. Good jobbington. Thank you. I don't remember it. That suggests it wasn't very good. Because I remember the other three okay. really well. Oh, I remember this one. I remember okay, so. Yes. We're in Empire City. I'm excited. On the planet Olaril. Olaril. Oh, you see, that name rings a bell. You see, it's funny how I can have a nostalgia for the new adventures. I can. Yes, I understand. Hideous creatures infest oh, the waters. They would. Around an island that doesn't officially exist. Oh, are they? The, oh, I think I might have read this on a beach. Something harvest. Storm harvest. No. Oh. Five minutes after they arrive, they want to leave, but Ace is imprisoned in a sinister refugee camp. Mm. I did read this one, and I liked it, but I have no idea what it was called. Oh, no. I do know, and it's got a thingy, and it's something day. Yes. It's tragedy day. Woo! I was about to start singing steps for you. Steve so. Lyons. Gareth Roberts. Gareth Roberts. Sorry, Gareth Roberts, who supplied a lovely review for my Secret Army book back in the day. He's really upset with me. I now. did like Tragedy Day. It was really good. A surprising refugee camp Tenko moment. Okay. Yes. <gasps> okay. An old man used to dress up in a skin-tight white jumpsuit and fly around New York catching mm. supervillains. I don't think he should have done that. I don't think so. And then... 
The Seventh Doctor, Ace and Bernice think they're investigating a murder mystery, but well, it's all would. much more bizarre than that and much more dangerous. Yes. I don't think I read this I one. I think you have. I remember you not liking it. Oh. A killer is stalking the streets of the village of Arendelle. Oh, I have read it. Mm. No, I think I started reading it. I think it's the Steve Lyons. Yes. I thought it was. Is it Head Games? It's one like that. I've definitely read this one. I don't think I read it. What is it called? Conundrum. Conundrum. No, I remember looking at that one thinking, no, I don't like that. You know, I read that while wandering around Canada. Did you? I bought a load of new adventures quite cheap in Canada. Were you apple picking? I was. <laughs> <laughs> was this before, before or after you met Alan Cummings' relative? Oh, around about similar times. Um, okay. Well, here we go. What, what, I said what episode are we on? What number are we on? Who can say? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Dr. John Smith, mm. a short middle-aged history teacher from Aberdeen. Human nature. Yes. Thank you. Before it became... I know, love that. ...a story in its own right. Mr. Tennant. Right. Oh, oh, oh. Creed is just an ordinary guy. He is just an ordinary guy. As ordinary as you can be when you're a secret agent exactly. working for the government. Government. But his family is another matter. His youngest child seems able to read his mind. Oh, my God. His oldest boy, Ricky. Ricky. May possess a strange and frightening power. And others seem interested in his gifted children. Tell me the story. Don't know the story. Oh, I'd forgotten about Chris Quay. Chris oh, yes. Or Quedge, as I used to call him. Yeah. And but they Roz. definitely have that. Yes. Is no? it their first one? Natural you have resources. have said this word already before. Head games. No. God, there's a lot of characters in this. Um... Give me a Not clue. a smack in the head. But a war child. Yes. Not a, not a smack in the head. War but child. a war child. <laughs> it's obvious now. When we think about it, it's obvious. It is. Right, right, right. We're, we're so close to you having... A full house? Yeah, that. Okay. Okay, I'm not going to read any of the synopsis. The one with the poster. The one with the poster. Don't know what you're talking about. Oh, shit. I might have to read the plot. I'll read the plot. Okay. It centres around the wedding of Jason Kane and Bernice Summerfield. Happy ending. Yay! I love the cover of that one. I mainly look... I just like those pictures of people at weddings yeah. when you have numbers where they are. And you know, and you know who which one is, is each one. Yeah. Loved it. it was like all these people who you'd grown to love and then you got to see pictures of them. It's magical. No. Um, what did right. you think about Bernice and Jason? I don't really know. wasn't right, I don't think. Um, now I've heard her in Big Finish, the whole thing's ruined for me. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not allowed to say that. I'm <laughs> Gosh. I really, really don't like that one. Okay. It's not good for me. Right, okay, final one. Yeah. Well, I'm just pleased that we've done this New Adventures nostalgia trip. Good. In 1968, Christian Christian without an H, good job, Alvarez meets the Seventh Doctor in London. He would. In 1978, 
the great temple of the Aztecs was discovered in Mexico. In 1980, John Lennon is murdered in New York City. Yes. 94, a gunman runs amok in Mexico City. A muck or a mock? A muck. You don't say a mock. Do you not? No, you say a muck. I'm learning all the time. Oh my goodness, it is correct. If this is the left-handed hummingbird... I don't know, are you telling me that? Yes. Yes, it is! Probably the best new adventure. I do remember. I, mean, I think Revelation by Paul Cornell is a close second. No, it was Gloxer Clicken or something. A bit more. There was a lot more going on. Lots more going on. So when I had a Mexican... Yes, something like that sounded rude. When I had a Mexican staff member back in my Cambridge days, yeah, it's called Claudia, yeah, Claudia Luna, and I had this habit of naming my staff's children whilst they were pregnant oh, and yeah. giving them a name. Right. So my staff member Kirsty, her child, I called her. Um, oh God, what was it now? Anyway, that's not the Mexican one. Anyway, Claudia's baby before it was born. I decided to call Klotzel. <laughs> she didn't know the Doctor Who collection. Brilliant. It's not good, really. No, I love... What was the name of the thing in this? Silen? No. Yes, all of these names. All I was probably not saying them right in my head. Oh. Kate Orman just had this amazing ability to take you somewhere completely different with yeah, her stories. they were magical. If you're listening, Kate Orman, thank you yes. for glory. It's, ama- it's amazing how much we loved Sylvester McCoy in these as well. Like, I was never desperate for them to make them with, like, another Doctor. No. I loved the Doctor and Ace in yep. these. There was a whole Absolutely. new world. They became so much better. I got a bit irritated when Ace got a bit too um, jump, jumpsuity and fighty mm. and, like, having casual sex. I was like... Yes, it seemed like it was fulfilling some kind of fan's need. Exactly. And it felt a bit like later, Torchwood felt a bit like that at times. Mm. Where it just felt a bit like, oh, we're using adult words because we're adult. Well, that doesn't make you adult necessarily. No. No, it makes you rude. 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 Well, I'm glad we've cleared that one up. Yes. Hark, but what do I hear? What the hell? It's the Callier. Waiting around the corner for a while. She's exhausted. She's <laughs> exhausted waiting. Will you hurry up with your best? Yeah. What do you want to tell us? She wants to tell us what her favourite new adventure is, <gasps> apparently. Oh, God, that's so damn topical. Did you know? Did you? I'm amazed. Okay. So, I'm unfurling the beakage. If it's not left-handed hummingbird, that's confusing. <laughs> very the confusing. The bird-based one would be her thing. It says, The Left-Handed Hummingbird by Kate Orman. Oh, my God. It's like you and her are almost one and the same. I know. This is amazing. She's right. Oh, Kelly, I I'm just going to sort her. of, like... Little stroke under the beak for that. She likes that. <laughs> she likes it. It's not at all weird that I'm doing this with I'm my not, finger in front I'm of me. I'm kind of unnerved that you're wiggling your finger. But good, good. People know your commitment. For once, to this. we're at one with a Kaliak. Aren't we, though? Yeah. I feel like I'm almost like the eyes and the ears of the Kaliak at this moment. Shit. That sounds like a dangerous place to be. So. On that bombshell. Yes. I think it's time to talk about the story du jour. What's the story du jour? The story du jour is the very special, the yeah. very important, the very velour-based mm. or velvet-based. I think it was true, full-on. True they velvet. Had the budget Some for velvet. satin. 
Keeper of Traken. <gasps> Amazing. Ah, Neiman. How nice. Consul Tremus, I have orders to secure the plan of the source manipulator. You will please hand it over. Impossible, Neiman. The plans of the source manipulator are for the eyes of consuls only. The Keeper orders it. That is enough. Do as I say. Dear me, he seems to be almost back on form. Dreamers, you will do as Proctor Neiman asks. I have told him. Now I'm going to tell you. So. Yes. Where can one start? Can I ask a lot of questions? Can I start with no shit? Can I start with some nostalgia? No, pure nostalgia. <laughs> so the first time I watched it, I recorded it on a little C90 cassette. Could have been a C60. Or E60. What was the difference? I don't know. I think the quality. But it was green and black. Yeah. The sticker on the top that you put on top very carefully. You had to line it up. Oh, it's yeah. important. And I recorded episode two, three and four. And I need to find it. If I find it, dear listener, you will hear me, nine-year-old me, saying at the end of episode four, I don't think the story can be over because Nissa's in trouble here with her father. And I say, I'm a bit confused because the Radio Times tells me that's the end of episode four, but I think there might be five parts to keep a truck. Oh. I was so confused by the ending, not actually. Because you're used to things being closed off tightly and neatly. Completely. And it was a very unusual yeah. close, yeah. So that was the first ever story I recorded on a tape cassette. Some people yeah. listening won't know what that is. No. And if they do know, they'll think, why? <laughs> why was he doing that? And the other thing to say is, when it was repeated, prior to the Peter Davison first season, along with Legopolis after it, we all went out for a day trip with Mum to Whitley Bay, um, Tiny and Weir, and on the way back, I suddenly realised, oh no, Doctor Who's on. So I was straining through both windows, looking and seeing bits of the Keeper of Trakin in people's living rooms oh, from no. a bus. Knowing there was no chance of how yeah. you could watch that. Oh, it was so desperate. How but it was so obviously you could see it. There's loads of bits where you could see Cassie looking up at Melka and loads of other bits. Like, I want to see it again. It was my best story ever. Oh, no. Yes. So you probably, we probably know what night that was now. <laughs> was could on. work it out. Could work it out. Anyway, so that's my nostalgia for Keeper of Charkin. Good. Not all of it, some. Yes. How about you? I don't have nostalgia for it. it's not one i can remember the first time round hmm. and then the obviously when it it was seen later on like i was excited to see it i'd always loved nissa so to see her first one hmm. seemed special um i knew that it was masterish and <laughs> masterish and i knew that there was a curly-haired woman in there called Cassia and I don't know how I knew that I think maybe I'd seen her in like Doctor Who magazine or something but I knew there was bits in there that made me smile yeah. um, but I didn't I couldn't pull it all together um, so yeah it was uh, yeah I feel like this is again one I've not seen many times really yeah wow like I, a lot of this was new and I was like thinking oh shit this is a plot point I need to so you've like got lots a, of questions for yeah, me. Yeah, like loads. But like before I, we get to the questions, yeah. what I'd like to... I think you should reveal to the viewers the 
Doctor Who connection with your family? Well, I feel if you were listening last time, as you clearly all do, because did you mention it? Yeah. Oh, you did. But yeah, so my youngest daughter, I call Cassia, not wholly for Cassia here, but she certainly was well inspired by it. But I don't like K names. Sorry for all you Kevin's Um, (laughs) and Katie's and Katie's. Apologies. Um, But yes, no, she's my Cassia with a C. Um, But yeah, and it just. It was a name that, for for that character, was like a really strong name, and she was big and and wonderful and had so much power. And so, yeah, it was a name I was quite happy to give my kid. And I also knew that she was going to be um, terrifying. And she, <laughs> and she is. She is. <laughs> big curly hair. Yeah. So really, she had no chance. <laughs> So I think, without further ado, I'd like to move on to your questions, because I'm intrigued by what your questions okay. might be. So, yeah. first of all, the Keeper is talking about the fact that it's a place of harmony. Yes. and that The e- Traken Union of Planets. Mm, but then evil flocks to Traken because of that. I don't get that. I think that's because opposites attract. Okay. And I think that's just... That's just saying, like, that's a natural law or a natural way of things. Like going to a vacuum. Yes. Most are redeemed. Not getting that. Like, so there's a lot of other people who went there and they suddenly became... Most of them fall, they sort of, like, rot and decay and they don't, they just fall away into the soil. Okay. But Melka, Mm. which means a fly caught by honey, Mm. did not. He calcified... A lot of them calcify, they turn to stone. Yeah. As we know, this was a TARDIS, so it wasn't any normal being. But how does some be redeemed? That's just dying. They, yeah, they don't get so. to turn their No, I like to path. think that some might have changed their path because yeah. of the Trakan Union and its, and its um, world of everyone being terribly nice to each other. Okay. So if you do survive and you don't calcify, you get someone appointed to look after you. But something to do with... Well, this is why you've got the name The Fosters. The Fosters must have had that role. I know they're quite weaponised in this story. Yes. But the Fosters are there to foster goodness. Right. And then part of the harmony thing means that if evil does arrive, it can't can't move or speak by virtue of its evilness. Yes. So it renders them completely, um, completely immobile and speechless. And... I mean, Cassia taunts Malka in the first scene, saying, if you weren't quite so evil, you might be able to walk about, she says. Yes. Was yeah. that taunting or just... I think it was a bit cheeky. Okay. She was a bit playful, because it was before he spoke. And how are you today, you poor Malka? The Fosters have appointed me to look after you. There isn't much I can do. It must be awful being rooted to the spot like a tree. You weren't quite so evil. You might be able to move a bit, just around the grove. Being so evil, you can't even speak. Never mind. I'll come and visit you again soon. Oh, by the way, my name's Cassia. Yeah, she's like looking after him for a. Okay, so has oh, okay. She... Sorry, I'm... I can see we're just... moving on to another question. Yeah. <clears throat> so she looks after him for a frickload of time. I think, think it's as long as you think it is. I know she's like... 
They do skip forward to the wedding. So I would like to say it's about five years. Okay. Five Earth years. Um. Okay, so... So the, she pushed the Fosters out of the grove. She evicted them from the grove um, at some point because of a special relationship with Melka. But what's interesting is she lets the moss grow on it. Yes, mossy and neglected have written. I know. So because that's not then they thing. laugh at her at one point saying, oh, I hope that they, she looks after be- you better than she looks after Melka. And when Nissa later on starts wiping the moss off, she's, she's like, like Don't no! do it. And I think it's something to do with, I don't know what that's to do with. It's interesting. Mm. I feel like there's a layer that I'm missing. Yeah. But it's something to do with, I think, she, she felt a sort of mental connection with the Melka. Maybe the master was using hypnosis, because we know he's available yeah, so to that's do that. Yeah, so that's the next bit. Like, we don't ever really get to see Cassia nice, do we? No, I don't think so. We don't. Because again, it kind of takes. Apart from at the start, where she goes to attend. Melka. When she's got her straight hair that you can barely see. Yes. Um. So as as soon as we kind of meet her properly, mm. she's already completely under the master's thrall. Not completely. Okay. I think she's just got this weird connection with Melka that she, even she doesn't understand fully. Right. And it's not until he speaks that she realises, oh my God, this is a sentience with with a voice and with more power than she realised. Right. But I think she's in its thrall. Because mm. it's different. It's something other. Right. Okay. Good. Did that help? Yes, I think so. So I want to give a bit of background to the story, if I may. Written by Johnny Byrne and... Directed by John Black. I say written by Johnny Byrne. You have to talk about the script editor, Christopher H. Bidmead, who transformed it into Keeper of Trock, and if I if what I read is, is true, in that it started as a story about warrior monks. And there was yes. the, the, the greys and the blacks. Ooh. And the only character who actually makes it through fully formed from the original storyline seems to be Nyssa, Ooh. the daughter of one of the greys, I think. Oh, okay. And you've got Hellas, who is Tremas, and you've got Zorka, who is Cassia. How bad would that have been? Awful. Rubbish. The leader of the other ones, I think. And no, Christopher H. Midmead said, no, what we need to have is, let's make it more interesting, let's have Zorka as a woman called Cassia. What? And let's have her married to the to Hellas to make it more interesting. So this is kind of caught between a bit. And from what I can tell from the original draft, Nyssa was more important to begin with. So Cassia and Tremas originated from two warring factions. Yes. Oh, I think so. Okay. So um, the source and the manipulation of the source and the fact that it kept harmony was all part of um, Johnny Byrne's original plot. But I think Bidmead brought a lot of the other stuff to it that make it glorious. But as did... More so than any other Doctor Who story I can think of, the set designer and the costume designer brought massive new levels of glory to the story. As did... Who? The music person. Roger Lim. This is my... Oh, 
so well, mad people around you, um, is that, Andy, you had this as background music. You must have bought like a soundtrack album or something. BBC Doctor Who Music, Volume 1 or 2. And so when you used to make me the tape stories, that was background music. So for me, I don't associate that with these stories at all. I associate that with your um, remaking of The Celestial Toymaker. (laughs) Where that indicated that was the army of dolls or something. Possibly. Do you not remember the army of dolls? This shit's important. Okay, I'm sorry. I know the story was called Realm. Realm! Realm with the celestial toy maker. Reimagined. Reimagined. Not plagiarised. Reimagined. It's different. But yeah, so it was a And Nissa's theme as well. Nissa's theme. Yes. What's that one go like? I'd love some sing along. La 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 why is the music not being released? I don't understand because it's the best music ever. Yes. Well, it's been quite a musical episode so far. Well, Guys. I think the, the listeners might disagree. No, they've been they've been treated to our wonderful tones. Have they? Haven't they? The doctor calls it tracking. Okay, times. it's two times. I like to think that was early in the recording. Yeah. And then he was told, like someone whispered very courageously into Tom's ear, "We would like you to say tracking, Tom." And he probably told them to f off. The same thing is he says Trakan correctly in the same scene, which is really why it's difficult. But then I guess he's leaving. He doesn't care at this point. <laughs> but saying that, but he does care. I think he gives a really good performance yeah, in Keeper Trakan. Yes, which brings me to how much would I have liked Adric had he had Tom as yes. his doctor for a lot longer? The fourth doctor and Adric are one of the best partnerships. Mm. And they like each other lots. And he keeps making Adric smile, and Adric yes. makes the Doctor smile. And Adric can do clever things. Yes, which the Doctor needs. The Doctor can riff off, uh-huh. and it really, it's its quite lovely. In a way I had not expected. I just, it oh, works yeah. really well. Uh, it made me feel quite bad for Adric, so I thought, oh gosh, maybe if he had something other than Peter Davison to deal with, he might have... Well, I think, I think once Lala Ward's out of the picture, clearly didn't get on, I think Tom Baker's like, well, I've got what I've got. Mm. And I think both Keeper of Trark and Legopolis, mm. I think Adric works really quite well. Yeah. And I think Tom Baker actually quite likes Matthew Waterhouse. Mm. But the amount of smiling that goes on, he's like, he says lovely things about his handwriting, he says it's magnificent, and <laughs> yeah. various things that are really sweet. Mm. And not necessary, but really add to the story. Yeah, no, it was. It was cuteness that I was not imagining would happen. Because, mm. yeah, you just get used to disliking Adric just for existing. But, yeah. No, he did. He did good. Yes. I don't see what the law of probability's got to do with it. No. What? Adric, I give you a privileged insight into the mystery of time. Yes? Yes. Open your mind to adventures beyond imagining. Yes? Yes. And you criticise my logic? No. No, I'm just saying that a lot of the time you don't really make sense. Ah! Ah, oh, you've noticed that, have you? Well, I mean, anyone can talk sense as long as that's understood. You and I are going to get on splendidly. Then where are we? Metalla Oriensis, I'd say. Does that make sense? 
So I think we're well into episode one now. We've talked about the Doctor and Adric. Can I just say, the Keeper arriving in the TARDIS and telling them about what's happening on Traken and, and that little story of everything about the wedding yes, and the nice Malco arriving. Yes, nice background info. It was a nice intro. What it made me think of was, I don't know whether you remember, in the 70s and 80s there was a, a, a programme, Studio Bound, always felt like it was set in the Grove on Traken, called Jack and Ori Playhouse. Oh, okay. And it was these cards that would flutter around at the start and there'd be a Joker and a princess and stuff in the theme music. And then there was, it was always with Patsy Kensett. She would seem to be in every episode playing a princess. Oh. And it was very theatrical and very acted, but very like Keeper of Charkin. And it oh. was always some sort of clever story to do with but sort red. of courtly, courtly um, shenanigans. Yeah. And no, it wasn't red. No, it was, it was acted. Oh. Yes, but it was called Jack and Ori Playhouse. It was kind of a live-action version of Jack and Ori. Right. And it just made me think of that massively, that that's what this was riffing on. Oh. Late 70s stuff, early 80s, mm, which is a perfect fit. Yes. So out of a lot of clever chicanery, children's drama was reborn. The spin-off, Jack and Ori Playhouse, brought stories old and new to life. And I like the fact that you saw a bit with Cassia doing the thing early, and then you saw fast forward to the wedding. Yes, to her, yeah, ageing a little bit, yes, I did like that. And then, even though you know that Cassia, Trimas and Nissa are good people, mm. and you feel that strongly, yeah. and they're sat before the keeper and said, even those evil nurtured in those three good people, I like that. Yes. Fact, how is evil in those three somehow nurtured? Yeah. And he doesn't know. And we oh, don't know. Oh, okay. So you feel like the keeper isn't just being kind of weird and he doesn't know. He really doesn't. In fact, he's in the point. he's not in the know at all ever because he dies before he works out what's happening. Oh, oh, I don't. I think I kind of because he plays that all knowing role. I think yeah. I've missed that. Dennis Carey. Right. Bless I him. We just kind of knew and just decided not to tell anyone. No. So. Early on, though, Cassie is very protective of Melka in quite a creepy way. Mm. I'm sure it does not mock us. Not not mock us. It does not, um, what's the word? Become us to mock Melka, she said. Mm. So it's the, it's the question of that connection is never really quite made clear. No. Being as, essentially, he is a TARDIS, mm. I, it still does confuse me. It's like, it's like someone just, like, looking at a police box every day and giving it fruit and just <laughs> you wouldn't do you wouldn't and you said i just <coughs> i think you'd be slightly mad if you were getting to those kind of affectionate levels especially if it's not talking to you or responding in any way but for there's, years. there's something about a statue though isn't there that's I quite special features mm. yeah so the statue of melka itself which amy roberts costume designer based on an actual statue a specific statue by boccioni of a futuristic man. Yes, which you now own. I own, I own. There'll be a picture of me grinning inanely next to said statue. Yes. Which you can buy. I'll be jealous. Uh-huh. So, I love when you say you can buy. I really feel like you need to like buy a hundred of them and sell them on a website now. Now. Saying Melka on them. Well, just, you're, this is your forum. You're selling them online. Buy the Boccioni statue via me now. Only £98.90 plus Is that all? It's a steal. I know, it's a yes. steal. So, um, I must mention Tony Burrow, who did the set design. Yes. So, Amy Roberts was riffing off Gaudi and Boccioni, 
and as was Tony Burrow. So if you've ever been to Barcelona, you'll feel very keeper of Trakanesh-ish, and also Klimt, the painter Klimt. Oh, the painter Klimt. (laughs) (laughs) All the hair and costumes, very Klimtian. Are they? Yes, all the big red hair and everything. People's heads just off to the side. (laughs) Always, like the kiss. (laughs) (coughs) I never thought Klimt used enough tool. Did you not? No. I did have to say I was a bit disappointed by Cassie's shoes when I spotted them. They didn't have enough height. No, and they were just like little black pumps with a little blue bow on them. Yeah, no. Not impressed. They weren't terrible. They were, yeah, Nisses were cuter. Mm. But yeah, no, I did like the tall skirtings. I think really for for a, a child who gets excited by dress design, then... The velvet corsets with overblown shoulders and tall skirts were absolute beauty. Like, yeah. it really was the first time you get to see Dr. Inga. Yes, that's what I would have wanted to wear. It's magical, it's futuristic, it's weird, and they look beautiful. Absolutely mm. beautiful. And even that old woman with her black velvet outfit and weird tiara thing, it's still Kachura. damn cool. Consul Kachura, played by Margot van der Burr, who all Dr. Who fans will know played Kamika or Kameka in the Aztecs. Oh, the first person to ever fall in with a doctor or the other way around. To get almost marry him. Did she yeah. marry him? Yeah. yeah. Um, mattress. Where did you get hold of this? My fiance. I see. Oh, what? Yes, I made some cocoa and got engaged. <laughs> I wondered, and I could be very wrong, is she the woman who does the voice of the president or the prime minister in Arkham Space? No. Very similar voice. Similar voice, voice, but not. Okay. Yeah. So, staying in episode one, I liked all the Shakespearean dialogue. Now, a few months ago, months, mark you, when we talked about Castrovalva. That was actually a month. There was a lot, it was a month, there was a lot of Shakespearean-esque dialogue. Mm. A lot of this, it made me think, did they decide to do this again in Castrovalva because they'd only done it the year before in Cuba Traca? Yeah, it worked, yeah. So all this, if all the stars were silver and I could clasp them in my hand and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Very Shakespearean. I was so confused. <laughs> Shakespeare's never made much sense What's to me. going on? <laughs> Can you say all those words in a different order that makes sense? Thanks. But the Shakespearean stuff that I particularly love, and I'm just going to mention now in case I forget it later on, is all the talk about science versus reason, which is very Bidmead-esque. Mm. And you already had it earlier in the season with um, history versus science in Megalos. Yes. Which is a bad story, but the same theme comes up. Mm. And it also comes up in State of Decay, I think. Yes. With legend, and then you've got science, and you've got all those people who don't yeah, know what science they've got. Yes. And here you have it again, but you're saying that if superstition takes hold... That way madness lies and science and reasoning must win out because Cassia stands for superstition and myth and legend. Right. And her belief in Melka and stuff. And they were saying about how Melka, there was a sort of popularist belief that Melka would deliver them all from evil. Do you remember that bit? Oh. Which is just madness, but it's almost like saying, oh, Trump will help us here. Yes. Or we should have Brexit. Brexit? (laughs) You're a Brexit. Brexit, you (laughs) Brexit. Or Brexit. Similar sort of feeling like, well, let's just all get popularly behind something that doesn't make yes, any sense and say it's because, good. Yeah, maybe that'll be the thing. That In this case, just a weird statue. Yeah. It's odd. Yeah, no, it I is. don't think that's ever fully explained. No. But Can I tell you my No, I'm not thing? finished. Shit. The 
the Shakespearean thing. Yes. In Hamlet, I believe it's Hamlet, it could be Macbeth. I'm going to say it's Hamlet. I don't know. I want it to be Hamlet. Because now I've said Hamlet well, several times. Just ask me, because I'll be able to tell you. Okay. I know everything. There's a moment in which they talk about how between kings, there's this terrible moment where dogs go mad and bark a lot and horses eat each other and stuff like this. And it's a moment in one of these plays that I studied, one of the two. And this is the same moment as when the source between keepers. It's exactly oh, the same idea. Of... Oh, okay. That all storms uh, will happen and, and, right. and all superstition will become writ large and people won't be able to control the elements. It's Sounds the same more... idea. Um, yes, no, I can see that. And I did like that in Keeper of Tarkin. I did like the, the wildness, like there's no control. Ah, what are we going to do? Mm. Like you can see how people would be frantic when there is that absolute lack of control for a uh -huh. while. And yeah, no, I thought that worked quite nicely. Can I tell you my bit now? No, you can. In fact, I've probably talked too much. If you can have the floor for a while, thank Thanks. you. I, li I really liked it when they said hands up to Adric. <laughs> I knew, I knew you'd follow up my comment with something intellectual. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is about to get intellectual. Though. Okay, gosh. It's so damn clever. So is this when the doctor says, no, not like this, like this? And yes. he puts his hand right up. I love that. Yes. He's like, no, Adric, this. You put your hands right up, not like this. <laughs> Which I think, I was thinking, is that the origin of that? Because you're putting your hands right up in the air, your arms as well, to yeah. show you're not carrying a weapon. I thought he was doing it correctly. I thought the doctor was doing it correctly and uh, Adric was just being a bit feeble and weak, but maybe No, not. but when you put your hands up, I think you just do that. Do you? Oh, for the benefit of the audience, we are putting our hands up by our heads and then up in the air. <laughs> Christy, if you're going to put your hands up in the air, if someone said hands up, you're in a shootout situation, would you put your hands up by your head or would you put them right in the air like that? By your head. Right up. Right up. See? God. Iona. Iona's also here. Alice is, Alex is eldest. What would you do? Um, by your, your head or open the air? Just don't say it. Put your hands up. Hands up! Like yes! See? By your head! That's what I think. <laughs> Come on, audience, tell us. You in any hostage situations. <laughs> now you could, you could be about to whip a pistol from behind your ear. It is to show you've got no weapons, isn't it? Yes. I think that's the origin of it. But I think people are just a bit adricky and they do that. Right. Just a bit lazy. Yeah. I own it. I can see the lazy thing working for you. <laughs> she's like, she's never going to have hands right I know, she's, she's like, I can only be bothered to put them here. Your hands do not move higher than my head. <laughs> <laughs> so this is what leads me on to my next bit. Tell me. Is that, being as Charkin is such a peaceful place, yes. how do they adapt so quick and darn easily to a gun situation where the Fosters are there to arm themselves? I think we guns. should arm the Fosters. Like, they shouldn't have had weapons there to yeah, arm the Fosters. Yeah, they find the guns within seconds. It's not like they're dusting them off from some old cabinet that they lost the key of. Got the guns, ready to use them, know how to use them. There's no confusion for them. They aren't like putting their hands up confusedly. No. They are no. ready and willing. How I, did that happen? I think my, my headcanon for this... <laughs> don't, don't use your headcanon. <laughs> ...is dangerous. that Proctor Neiman yeah. liked a gun. But, um, I think he was a bit weapony, and this is his moment. I believe you, but I don't understand how Trakin's so gunny. harmonious. 
when you've got someone who's a bit gunny who is well this is the, this the is the thin end of the wedge is it not okay. if you've got someone who's a bit gunny as i only just said then you're, you're on, a, on a slippery slope are you not mm. <laughs> towards gun madness gun madness this is all very topical gun madness you see this is what happens yes it is this is how the NRA started. I believe you. So, any more questions about the hands up, or have we covered it in enough I think detail? We're there. Good. I think we're there. So, I must say, there was lots of moments where I felt that the it's not cinematography because it's not cinema. It but is the way it is, it still. Yeah, even if it's not in a cinema. <laughs> Visually. Uh, visually. Yeah. I thought John Black, the director, framed shots lovely. Yeah. Shot, he, he framed them lovely. Lovely like. Lovely like. There was the Melka statue here, and there was Cassier here, and there was the moonlight there. Yes. It was that when blue. you could see him in his full walking stance. Yes. Yes, I like that. I it thought that looked impressive. so good. Yeah. Thank you, good. John yeah. Black. Winning. Um, Yes. Adric and I are willing to stamp with the best of them. <laughs> oh, that was fantastic. But let's stamp with some precision. Yeah, yeah. That was the line. So good. Wasn't Loved it? it? Yes. Yes. But you're you're leaping ahead. Oh, sorry. Shit, that's the notes I've took. Exactly. Can you fill in for me, Iona? <laughs> bit where I was nodding off a bit. <laughs> There's a whole episode in there, I suppose. <laughs> I wanted to talk about how Tremas um, wants to talk to Seron about the weird, unusual activity that threatens them all. Yes, they which were is a bit amorphous. But Luvik, who's a bit of an idiot, is that the dippy tar? He's the one that Cassia said he's ugly. Which I thought was a bit strong. Oh my Cassia! Yeah, not Cassia, not Cassia in the, in the story. <laughs> I was thinking that would be a it's bit getting quite character. confusing. <laughs> um, he's ugly, she said. <laughs> From her position on the floor. Um, but Luvik is a bit of an idiot. You don't share things with him. And Saron's like, oh, no, we're just having a talk, chat about something. And then he's like, what is it? To show me your readings. I liked Saron. Mm, John, Woodnut, John Woodnut. Duke of Forgill. Friend of the show. Yeah, friend of the show. He loves us. He might be dead. dead. <laughs> I don't know. Shit. I really like John Woodnut, though. He's good. good shit. Anyway. Um... So I think we are at the end of the episode, actually. Oh, we're allowed now. Yes. Good episode ending? I don't know. Is that the one where I've written Cassie's a wee bit dramatic? No. No. It's when the statue's coming through the door. Oh! The very Japanese door. Evil! Evil from Evil. Yeah, good timing. We are invaded. Evil! Infinity! Really unfortunate timing, or very good timing. Very good timing. Do you think the master planned it? No, just he accidental. It was a bit of it a. It was just like I'll just pop round here. <laughs> it was a bit of a high risk moment mm. to actually ha- like, move because loads of people could have seen. Well, actually, they did because he killed two people, didn't he, in the groves? What I liked was Cassia was very good at hiding bodies. She can drag a dead man as far and as wide yeah. as she can. Again, needs to. for clarity, not your daughter. <laughs> In the story. <laughs> she? Good. So she could hide bodies with the best of them. Mm. What I love is this one moment where Cassia drags the body into the undergrowth just as everyone's coming out of mm. the chamber. That's literally a second before. 
Yeah, she really does drag and like without compunction. She's like, yeah, doing my job. Lady Macbeth. Mm. Feeling s. She's yeah. not. She's gonna get her hands dirty to do the job. Mm. And of course, she ultimately becomes keeper. But she's trying. Isn't she doing it for Tremas to begin yeah, with? Yeah, she doesn't want to be. She's doing it for Tremas, so it's very Lady Macbeth. Yeah, that I must admit that her her motivation throughout confuses me because she's generally. She's obviously got this obsession with the Melker, yeah. so she wants to make him happy, but she doesn't want him to hurt the people that she loves. Mm. But then she seems like she she's worried about Tremus, but she also looks like she wants to stab Nyssa, which doesn't seem quite right. Well, that's it. The evil stepmother trope doesn't work for me, because she loves Tremus, and... I don't know, I just hate it. But isn't she one of these evil stepmothers who hates the children regardless? I thought that they got on all right. That's, I think, no, I think evil stepmothers just are sometimes just evil. Really? Yeah, and I think, I think they just see those children as beneath their notice and they're kind of accepted as part of the bargain. Oh, right, right there's this little kid, but I'm not going to show any affection or care for this. Like Cinderella. Yes. Yes, okay. Thank you, Iona. And that's another fairy tale element, actually, the wicked stepmother. Mm. It's very fairy tale, this story. Is it? Well, in some ways, just a feeling of it. Only in some elements. I'm not, yeah. Like Linky where, <laughs> <laughs> where there's no link. Kind of, but not really. Good. Um, yeah. I'd like to formally welcome my own to the show. <laughs> yes. Lots of brilliant interpolations. Yeah, she gets. Watch it, but helping. <laughs> yeah, you get to get more involved when you actually watch the shows. That's kind of one of the prerequisites, all right? <laughs> well, I'm hearing this stuff and I'm just adding. Okay, thank, thank you. Thank you. Okay. So, we're in episode two. So, this is at the point at which Cassia really goes over the top. Oh, yes. How do you feel about that? Um, It just felt badly acted. It did feel badly acted. Sheila Ruskin. Yeah. She's very over the top, isn't she? Yes. It's a stage death. I yeah. wrote down it's a stage death. It, yeah, it fits in with your Jack and Ori. And whatever. also Shakespeare. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah, um, no, it did, it did seem very over the top. Yeah. Um, but not funny over the top. No. Oh, can I ask as well? Mm-hmm. Obviously the Master Tremas um, anagrammy thing, but is that just supposed to be a coincidence? And not a... Well, that was a Christopher Bidmead thing again. So it's just being. So he changed the name sake, from but... Hellas to to Tremas just so it was an anagram of Master. Once they decided that he was going to be the Master, or he'd become the Master. Yeah, because I guess I when he bec- when he's like Mister Magister and stuff like that, like mm-hmm. you know, that's like him being a bit clever. He's choosing that name. Yes, but for this, it's more just an accident. It's, it's an like accident. a coincidence. Yes. even though it's clearly not. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. One thing I like and I want to talk about is the fact that they have names for things that are specific to Traken that are things that happen in the story or that are part of the court procedure that they talk with confidence about, like rapport with the source. Yes. Consular privilege. Yes. These things I like. It builds up a whole believable world, doesn't it? It's a whole thing that's just part of that world. And yes. you just have to believe you believe in it more fully. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. You don't feel like they're just saying a line that they're not quite comfortable with. It's a whole it's a whole other 
set of rules that they're all aware of. Absolutely. I did like the line, it's always nice to be reprieved. (laughs) (laughs) Who says that? Tom Baker. He was like, oh, so I see you've got a reprieve. How are you? Or something. I see you've been reprieved. Yes, it's always nice to be reprieved. (laughs) It is though, isn't it? It is nice. I, one of the, my favourite phrases is when Seron comes in to meet um, Katura and Ludwig and Cassia having a little secret talk. Right. He's like, oh, you all sitting together, hugger mugger. Oh, did you say hugger mugger? Hugger mugger. Yes. Again, that feels Shakespearean to me. Yes. So, um, the discovery that Melka is merely a vessel, when you finally see that it's eyes yes. and it's a person there, yes, that's quite a shock. Yes, that's true. I, I guess this time not because I knew, but yeah, you kind of you don't realise that you've seen it for the first time mm. because yeah, you know what it is. But yes, definitely for the first time, it was quite a yeah shocking thing. Now the thing that um I found quite surprising was Nissa suddenly having a character, because she doesn't really do a lot early on. Mm. And then she has that purse of money she gives to Neiman. She bribes Neiman. Yes. And I thought that was strong. Yes. And I wrote down, I'm not sure she's as strong again. No. I remember definitely um, when I first saw it, thinking she's amazing, and I'm really excited, knowing that there's going to be other stories that are going to be really cool with Mm. her in. And I can't remember seeing another one where I was like, yeah, go, Nissa. Because she bribes Neiman, she's got the iron bonder, she knocks people out. And well, yeah, when he, like, when she, he kind of um, goes to attack her, um, thinking, like, doesn't he half drop something or something like that? He moves towards her. Certainly. Yeah, and she's just like, nah, yeah. and she gets him she and she gets the other dude. And the other one, she's like, I don't care. Yeah, like, that was brilliant. You just, in all of those kind of situations where you see that in Doctor Who, you're expecting her to be overpowered. Yes. That's what happens in those yeah. situations. But she didn't, and it was really refreshing. And the doctor even says to Trimas, remind me never to fall out with your daughter. Mm. Yes, good. Yeah, no, it was. It was, um, yeah, she she didn't get as many opportunities. She does definitely, because I think she's the real pretty lovely one, Yeah. then she just gets forced into the, the weak-willed, feeble creature mm-hmm. a lot of the time. And I think this is part of the problem with having Janet Fielding. Janet Fielding, brilliant as Tegan, we love her. But I think where's the cat? <laughs> You're worried about where the cat is. Did seen you find her? the cat? <laughs> Probably. Have where? you seen her? No. Where's Jambi? Do you if you've seen Janet fielding the cat, <sighs> should I pause it? No. Iona's gonna go and have a look for her. What's she now not to wind out the back? Carry on. So um I must just mention as well, the Nissa's, intro- Nissa's introduction. The first time I saw Nissa was on that Saturday morning show, Multicoloured Swap Shop with Noel Edmonds. Ah. And they showed a clip of her trying to go into the grove with Adric when right. she's stopped by Katura and Luvik. Ah. And that was the scene they showed. That was the first time I saw Nissa. And you were like, wow, she looks cool. Amazing. This is what's known as a servo shut off. Of course. Yes, of course. Made Silly by me. Peter Logan. And Adric and I make this in the Keeper of Traken. A servo shut-off? Yes. Uh, what exactly does it shut-off? Ah, that's a good question. <laughs> I'm not you don't about know anything about no. it at all. No, not really. This is Romana's sonic screwdriver. Yeah, I thought that. Yes. <laughs> and this is a segment of the Key of Time signed by Tom Baker. And there's also a photograph of Tom Baker and Peter Davison signed. 
Lovely. Terrific. And uh, I need a question, please, so that we can... The uh... question is, what is the name of the renegade Time Lord whose special gun can reduce a person to the size of a doll? I wouldn't dream of repeating that, <laughs> so that's uh, answers, please, on a postcard to us here for Sarah's swap. And uh, some Doctor Who fan can get themselves a... What did you say? What was it again? I forgot. Servo shut-off. A servo shut-off. Yes, well, lamp. <laughs> if you're having trouble with your servos, you can shut it off with that. Was it strange for you to become involved in Doctor Who? In, yes, in the sense that... How old are you? 19. You're 19. Well, it's been going about that long, hasn't yes, it? Yes, 17 years or something. That must seem very strange, isn't it, to find yourself actually involved yes, in it? Yes, it is. I mean, it's been, it has been going such a long time and it's changed and... Right. Well, good luck with it, and I hope you thoroughly enjoy yourself. Thank We've you got a clip much. now from uh, Doctor Who, from the new adventure, which starts tonight on BBC television, and here's a clip from the second of that series. I'd seen her previously in The Moon Stallion, of course, and she played the blind girl, okay. and she was the lead in that. But then that was the first time I saw her in Doctor Who, and I thought, well, she looks like she'd be cool. Mm. Yeah. She was. Yes. Um, so we're, we're hurtling towards the end of episode two. Yes, we are. And Seron's, Seron's betrayal. We are yeah. both betrayed. Yeah. Oh. Poor Seron. He dies very early for such a good character. Yes, but he kind of done all he needed to in that way, I think. In that he's said, oh, there's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he can't really get much further. What do you think about the weird net that falls on them? I never quite was happy with that. In the grove. Oh, the proctors do. Yeah, the proctors have that net which they sort of zibby-zab. Yeah, no, that doesn't work at all. <laughs> doesn't, does it? Yeah, no. You didn't need that net. No. no I, d I agreed. Um, but I do like it when Cassia... Cassia? Cassia goes to the Melka. And she says, it's done, Melka, we're done. And she's like, he's like, oh no, Cassia, it is only beginning. That's and at that Melka. stage, you're thinking, like, obviously, you just stop it now. Stop it now. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. I think I've been a bit conned by you. Oh, yes, but she carries on. Yeah. Which suggests some sort of, as the doctor, as the first doctor once said, heartening. Some deep form of deep hypnosis. Oh, that's, that's what he says in Keys of Mariners. Some deep form of deep hypnosis. That kind. And I think deepest. that's what um, she's dealing with. So, yeah, and then when, at the end, where she's like, um, she knows she's likely to. F tree mass over, and she's like, "Help me! Don't look at my eyes." My eyes! Don't look at my eyes. Yes, and I wish we all could not look at our eyes. Are you not happy with that? I'm furious with their eyes. Like I am all, all for low budget, not having much yeah. cash to do that kind of thing. But I have seen Skin Wars. Previously on Skin Wars, for this challenge, you will be working in teams. Not what I want to do. I know how good you can face paint someone's eyelids to look like eyes what skin was oh it's classic bodybuilder oh, they yeah. just they make people like uh, they just can do anything they can mm. make someone disappear in a supermarket aisle in front right. of fruit magic and so i think this is this is interesting because amy roberts was the costume designer on this and also bombshell image of the fendal no with the shitty eyes with the eyes so she thought Oh, it worked fair enough on, on Wonder Ventum when she was the Fendal core. So we'll just do the same for Cassia. Someone should have just said you can't do eyes. It doesn't Lord. work. No. Don't paint the eyes on the eyelids. No, that's the thing you can. It works if you can or, paint eyes on eyelids. Or a similar vintage. Just get them to wear a really scary um, 
contact lenses. Just they had contact lenses. Yes, because sapphire wears them, sapphire and steel. Oh, oh actually, and Lala and Leela wore them as well. Lala Leela. Lala Leela. Lala Leela. Um, yes, of course. Yeah. That so. But yeah, I mean, they could have just painted better. I think that's what, would have, that's what annoyed me. Trundling towards episode three. Yeah. Cassia's plan becomes really dark at this point. And you think, how, this is one of the things I do find confusing is what her motivation is. And it makes me think she must be um, really taken over. Mm. Because she actually has this conversation with Neiman about, okay, so what I want you to do is to get a full confession out of the Doctor, mm. Tremas and Adric. And then put them to death once you've got that confession. Yes. And you've got my authority to kill them. Yeah. Really dark. Yeah. And that, to me, if if we're going to go along with, she's completely controlled by the Malka, I'm comfortable enough with. But the whole Proctor Neiman being a complete turd, yeah. I find confusing, because it's just this world of harmony, and Proctor Neiman's like, yeah, go for it. Yeah, but he's had his chance to get his guns out of his drawer. Do you reckon that's it? And that's not a euphemism. No. I think that's the issue. Right. <laughs> I think it's the fact that, oh, I'm getting to be more important than I was. Previously, I was just in the grove tending gardens, and now I'm suddenly an important How man. did he get up to that high, high up chief proctor? If you're a bit gunny. Not sure. They are to be closely watched. And no contact with anyone without my express authority. Yes, Consul. My husband and his friends have betrayed the Keeper. A full confession to satisfy the Trakan people, and then... You understand? They have that lovely scene in the grove where... Well, not lovely for Kitnissa, but when Cassia attacks her in the grove. Mm. And she's like, this will all come good in time. Not for Nissa, it won't. No. No. Not at all. And Nissa's like... You've probably um, you probably bribed everyone. She says yes, bought and paid for. She's completely upfront with Nissa about the fact that she's bought and paid for the oh, for the ne- for the shit. Proctors and the Fosters. And I just feel that's a bit direct. Why would she reveal that stuff? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it does fit in with your evil stepmother thing that she's yeah. just not trying to even hide it. No. You're like, yeah, you've got no hope. Yeah. And I have been in that position before, not of the stepdaughter, but a stepchild. Where you Good. find out that there's an evil person, and that's hard. An evil stepmother. Or a, or a potential stepfather as well. Oh, yeah, he was, yeah. God. God, they were all evil in our childhood. <laughs> just very much selfishly just wanting us not to be in the way. <laughs> yes. It's amazing we're not more twisted. Yeah, no, we're so damn normal. <laughs> so you normal. You know what I always believe? Tell me. When you have a new regime, when when your new world changes, I believe you should have a table strewn with cucumbers. That's the thing to have. Why was there a table strewn with cucumbers? No idea. Why? Was that was just to show that truck and they yes, they cucumbers. made they were organic. Was they were there? gardeners. It was very strange. Okay. I do like the fact that um, when they're searching, when Nissa rescues them. And they're searching for them because they've they've escaped from the the prison cell. That um, Adric has this idea that well, let's go to your quarters, Tremas, because they might have searched that already. I love that mm. logic. I've always loved that, and it's not big thinking. No, it's just like they probably went there first, so we can go there now. 
Yeah. I often think that don't happen doesn't happen enough in any no, drama that's or film. True. Everyone's like, we can't go anywhere. Yeah, and it's just. Well, silly. it's the first place we'll go, so you're safe. Yes. Good and thinking, Adric. Yeah, he's, yes. he's like, well done, thinker. Yes. And that's when they end up with the cucumbers, just in case. Oh, is that where it is? Yeah, it is. I love all the stuff where. The doctor is is um trying to convince Chimas about he needs to see the master plans for the source manipulator. Yes, and he's like, oh no, it's fine. It's we fine. Can all just die. Yeah, if you just want us all to die, that's great. You've got your principle. Your personal honor against the safety of all track, and yeah, go for it. <laughs> Love that. Yes. No, he, he says, is. "Well, that's fine." <laughs> he says, which is what I do as a blackmail yeah, thing exactly. to my wife. <laughs> that's fine. I can't, doctor. Well, that's fine. That's fine, Trimas. I mean, when this thing has taken over the entire source, you'll have the consolation of knowing that you kept your honour intact. But um, what I love then is how the direction is, and I don't know whether this is Tom Baker, it feels very Tom Baker, is he just stands there with his arm outstretched, not facing Trimas until Trimas goes to get the plans. And he just waits until it's in his hand. And he says, good. Right. Yeah, this would always end up here. Was, yeah. I'm not persuading you anymore. You just put it in my hands, then we can move on. Yes. Like that. I liked his little cubby. What, the little safe? Yes. Looks like it, a wall. A- atmosphere safe. Was it? That's what they called it. It looked like a wall, but it was actually a little hidey cubby. Yeah. <laughs> I also liked um, the Doctor's review and summation of the value of the Trakan Union and the harmony and stuff. He's, yeah, it's all very good, but pity about the guy sitting in a chair for thousands of years. <coughs> yes. <coughs> and I guess that was probably the bit that I thought maybe that's how Cassia got caught up with the Melker, as she wanted to save Tremas from... From that fate. Yes. Oh, was that what it was near the start? Does he say, we don't, I don't want my husband to be... She definitely wants him <sighs> to avoid that. But obviously the fact that it morphs into her being that, I guess, is the kind of madness. Yeah. But yeah, no, that was the only bit where I felt like I could get some understanding of her motivation because it just wasn't clear. For it's me interesting with those four consoles that they are. The fact I, I'm intrigued to think further back and think, well, Katura is very old, yeah. so she's probably should she could never have been keeper, unless you're in stasis once you're the keeper. Yes. Yeah, because it's for hundreds of years. He says so. Yeah. Yes, you must be in stasis. Yeah, you're right. But Luvik was too thick. So I think there was a gap. Yeah, so why do you get chosen as How did a he get to be a consul? Because I don't think he was appropriate consul material. No. And I love the irony that he ends up being the last keeper of Traken. Oh, does he? Yes, because he runs in at the end. If you want to keep this quaint old tradition running, and he runs in there. Right. But he doesn't last very long because, of yeah. course, the monster destroys Traken in Megopolis. Yeah, but that's partly because I think Ludwig didn't have any control as keeper because he was useless. Rude. True. So, um, but yeah, in terms of who was a likely next keeper, that runs, that goes towards your theory of thinking Cassie wants to save Tremas, because of the four of them, Tremas is obviously the most likely next keeper of Trark. Well, he's appointed that, he is. Oh, like, he's appointed it? Yes, that's a thing. Ah, I missed that. Yeah, so that was always the thing. He was Sometimes I know the stories so well that I miss really major points. Yeah. So that's why, yeah, it was never in question, was it? Oh, he was keeper nominate. Yes, that's, that's what they it. said. Yeah. Yes. Good. Then you've got Cassia moving forward to take the keepership, 
and I love how dramatic that is. She comes forward with her flame red, red hair all out, and she's got her hands out, and she makes this sort of little speech about how, yes, she um, she's basically, the source has to be relinquished. Again, another thing about relinquishing the source, like rapport and consular mm. privilege, the source has to be relinquished and stopped before the next person can become heater. So the light has to go out. Right. The flames. Okay. And she goes forward, she becomes keeper, but not for long. Oh. Bloody Katura. I think if Katura and Luvik had been in present day Britain, they would have voted for Brexit. Yes. She's like, yeah. no, I'm going to do transition. I yeah, I know. It's like, no, don't do no, the don't really do the stupid thing. thing. Like, I'm going to just press the button anyway because I've kind of committed to it yes. in my head and I hate changing my mind. Yes. Yeah. All I could think of in my head was screaming Brexit when she was pressing that button. <laughs> Mum! It was like, Mum! Please use your brain you once had. Yes, not there anymore. Yes, but that was a real Brexit moment in the Cube of Dragon. Thanks, Katura, you useless creature. <laughs> and then I think we very quickly discover that it's the master in there because he's free. I don't know whether you're meant to recognise him as the monster from Deadly, Deadly Assassin. Assassin yeah. But then he's, it's five years later, that's a long time in Doctor Who terms. Yes. And he hasn't got the same golf ball eyes. No, he's quite different. He's he looks very different. Sackclothy, but it's not the same. Can we just say a few words about his voice? Jeffrey Beaver's voice is mm. the master. And he is a brilliant master. He is. I love his voice. The word I'm going to use is mellifluous. Are you? Yeah. Is that a good word? It's a very good word. Okay. I like it. Caroline John's husband. I liked hearing that. Yeah. I had no idea. Did you not? No. Are they together? They were until Caroline John died. That's amazing. Yeah. I'll hug them both. I know. He seemed really excited to get the job. I know. Love him. So you played the master in a few big finishes since. Has he? Have you listened to Dust Breathing? Oh, yes, I think I have. That's Jeffrey Beavers as master again. Oh. Oh, yes. Hugger bugs. Hugger bugs. Come on. Doctor. So you survive after all. Oh, yes, yes. We're still here. Don't write us off yet, will you? Look into my eyes, all of you. There is nothing more that you can do, Doctor. So look, and you will die swiftly. A merciful death. Refuse, and you will regret it. No, no. We know what you're up to, Melkor. And we'll stop you. That's a promise. But it's too late, Doctor. The source is mine. And soon, very soon, you will feel its power. <laughs> so, um, I have to say, I think this is one of the best episode endings in all of Who. When Cassia takes the Keeper ship, she gets time-rammed effectively by the TARDIS, the Melka TARDIS. Yes. So the Keeper is the Master, but it's not, it's the TARDIS of the Master. Mm. And, wow. And it's all the multicoloured zoominess of that, all the lovely mm. moment. Yes. And the fact that it's a TARDIS noise. You're like, well, what's going on? Yes, it's, there's a there's lot a to process noise. at that Too point. Too much. Yeah. Cassia's dead. A TARDIS is now Keeper. We didn't know there was a TARDIS there. We think it's the Master, I think, by this point. But we might not be completely yeah. aware. And Probably the only the hardcore fans. Yeah, and the doctor says to, to Dreamers, it's far too late, far too late, Dreamers. Right. And you think, 
It is far too late. Oh. You don't realise this means it's almost far too late for, for the fourth Doctor, but I think it also means that quite funereally. Yes. Hurtling into episode four. Um, I like all the business with the Melka not being stable with the source straight away. Because mm. he assumed he would be, I feel. Yes. Yeah. But he has to realise, the master therefore is having to manipulate the source to feel comfortable mm. with his new powers. And he keeps zooming in and out of existence. And while he does, he's vacillating as their ruler by being nice to them a bit. And he's like, so I think it's important that the new keeper is magnanimous and he won't punish anyone and all this stuff. Yes. I love this. I kind of think if anyone like Farage or anyone like that evil got in, Yes, they, they would, would do a few crowd pleasers. Yes, to begin with. Yes. But don't you find, and the thing that struck me with this, is that this is probably one of the most ambitious plans that the Master has had. What, but not necessarily ambitious, but the most kind of the long con. Like, he really... This shit's been going on for a while. Yeah. He doesn't usually just sit He's been back there for years think, on track. He's been there for years. Yeah. yeah. Like, generally, he's like, I'm just going to land here, I'm going to fuck with the Doctor, and I'm going to go. Like, that's his plan. And yeah. suddenly his plan is really slow. And but what is his plan? Um, to is take it... over Chark and get the source. The Doctor's like, so annoying. Because he's on his last regeneration, so it extends his life. Yes. That. I think it is. I think so. Well, we've just discovered you need to be, you don't need to be young to be a keeper. So, yes. Yes. Um, one of my favourite lines from the whole story, which I remember just from the recording, was, Ah, Neiman, how nice! That, for me, was a line. I love the way the Doctor close. deals... No, the, doctor, the way the Doctor deals with Neiman. When he knocks their heads together and all that stuff. Right. But before that, he's, he's saying stuff with Neiman. Like, he's got a history with him, he hasn't. Yeah. Um, I also enjoyed in Tremus's chambers, Tremus's absolute anger, fury at consular law and privilege being sort of like questioned, not consular privilege, consular privacy and secrecy, when he says, as you well know, the, the, the plans for the source manipulator are for the eyes of consuls only! It was mental. Oh. And then when Melker asks him, he says, I told him, no, later, is it the people with Melka? I don't know. I told him, but I'm gonna, now I'm going to tell you. It's righteous anger. Gosh. Strong. So I guess that makes sense being uh, now with that background of it being kind of the the groups of monks having strong help. Yes. That just, I think there's part of that old story that could have worked. Mm -hmm. I think having... Being as they were just people in nice clothes who didn't look to have any particular strongly held beliefs who weren't part of a faction yeah. or a, a, a set of views, it was harder to discern the motivations behind it. I think you needed something to grab hold of, some kind of, okay, we, we believe in blue, you believe in green. Like it just it needed that kind of a little bit more black and white to it. Yeah, and I can understand that they didn't have the, the blacks and the greys. It's not an appropriate... Term yeah, you and couldn't I think really that have needed blacks. to change. No. But I think the yeah, the religious the cultiness would have helped me understand because I think people do really stupid things for religion <laughs> that you're like, okay, yeah, they just did that because they believe in that and they're just thick. 
Whereas this just didn't seem, it wasn't religion based. It was just people doing random stuff that I just was like, well, why would you do that? I, I'm not understanding yeah. where that came from. So, yeah. yeah, it probably would have cleared up a few questions for me, perhaps. Yes. Can I just say, I think Anthony Ainley is amazing yeah. as Tree Mass. I've, yeah, it's beautiful to see him as someone other than the master. Yeah. Being as he's allowed to have happy thoughts and nice thoughts and be loving and kind and be yes. honest and true. And it, it just brings out a whole other side of him that you just don't, you're not allowed to see. And I don't think I've seen him in anything else. No. Very good as Tremas. Mm. I would argue he's better as Tremas than he is as the master. I love his master, I do. Yeah. But I think the character of Tremas is so strong. Yeah, there's so much there. Yeah. Um. So then you've got all the business about my favourite bit, the 337 bit. 337! They've got to punch in 337 into oh, the coordinates. Okay. I love that. You don't remember it? I don't remember. With the sound of the source going all wrong, because Adric and Nyssa are important suddenly, because they're messing with the source, aren't they? Right, yes. No, I'm just I have to say, that. I also like the globe thing, with the the four bits in it, that that fits neatly into whatever that circuit board is. It just goes chunk in oh. there. Love a nice, neat-fitting bit of machinery. Absolutely. So, <laughs> um, what? I've just got... What notes have you got that you can't decide <laughs> Tell me. Why do all the something steal a human? There's always a happy at AA. Well, AA? Alcoholics Anonymous? <laughs> yes, always swap. Starting with my quarters in the great cucumber mystery. <laughs> I just don't know what this is about. You already mentioned the cucumbers. No, I, I have a separate note on the previous page about the cucumbers. So I've obviously gone back to the cucumber conversation in there. I think there's a squash at one point on one of the tables. No, I think it's a cucumber. Body language changes. Yes, tell me more. I don't know. One line that always disturbs me is one that Melka has, which is, None of you has! And all these years, for 30 long years, if not more, 40 years, I think the line should be, none of you have. None of you have, yeah, none of you have, yeah. I Always think the body me. language changes may have been yes. when he becomes the master. Because... <gasps> Janet, go get the cat! Um... Janet Fielding, as I live and breathe, meowing. So it's, it's not Legopolis yet. You've got a story to go, love. Have I? So we d I don't see that. Bit. Janet Fielding, I'm talking about. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a bit where he becomes the master and then he kind of changes his body language? Oh, yes. Yes, I think that was the bit that... He's in the front door, Iona. She's there now. <laughs> Janet Fielding entering the podcast. Um... Ah, yeah, and I've got another question here. Yeah. So, could he become Tremas because of the power he'd got from the source? I think so. that's something to do with residual energy from the source, I think. Because that whole just being able to squeeze into someone's body, you're like, we well, should have just done that like 10 years ago. Yeah. And he does try to do it to the doctor in the TARDIS, doesn't he? In the Melka TARDIS. Oh. He moves towards the doctor to do it. 
Xbox is not having any of that shit. No. Well, no, it's because there's only because there's um because the Fantric and Nissa messing with the source. Right. They save the the Doctor from becoming the Master. And the Doctor becoming the Master becoming the Doctor is quite a terrifying thought. Yeah. Thought the other way around. Doctor becoming the Master. Yes. But what I really like, and I'm really interested behind the scenes, June Hudson, who was costume designer Premio Uno, mm-hmm. whatever the words are at the time, she was really annoyed because Amy Roberts was given the opportunity to design the Master's costume that would go on to the next series. Mm. Because it's Keeper of Trakan S costume, isn't it? Mm. It's velvet and satin. Big on the shoulders. Big on the shoulders. And it's effectively it's a variation of the Tree Mass outfit. Yes, it is. It is. It's a Keeper of Trakan outfit. Wow. So you always have that throwback to Keeper of Trakan in his outfit. You do. All the way I through. Huh? Yeah. Amy Roberts. Yeah. Quite a legacy. Hasn't she? Yes. So June Hudson was annoyed because she didn't get the chance. Yeah. Because she designed the um, the final season costume for the, the Fourth Doctor. Right. All the velvety yes, reds and all that enjoy, stuff. Yeah. And of course she was... Um, all of the lots of Lala Ward outfits, including her Warrior's Gate going away outfit oh, and yes. the Edwardian sailor suity outfit, yes, etc. She was alternating with June Hudson on that last series. Oh, it was, was either she? June, was June or Amy, oh, June or Amy. Right, that's why she was annoyed. But she was like, I really should have done the costume design for the master because I was the more senior costume designer. Oh. Yes. Empire's sweetie. So, I feel it ends very quickly. There's flames. Yeah. Unspecified flames. I'm not, I'm, it's all because the, because of what Adric and Nissa do. Mm. And Adric's saying, oh, all sorts of things will happen. Power will overload and all that stuff. Yeah. But um, it's not very clear. And then Luvix suddenly has to run in to become the next keeper. Yeah. And the Doctor and Adric are like, all right, we're off. See yeah. ya. <laughs> All of There's no sort of kind of like, we probably need to have a sit down. Yeah, let's yeah, maybe have some cucumber sandwiches. Yes, that's when the cucumbers could have been really coming into their own. And let's think about what's just happened. Let's yeah. check we're all okay. And they do tend to do that in Doctor. There's always that calm little, let's just yeah. have a summary bit. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's unusual yeah. the way it's all quite. Controlled. But that's because we're, we're hurtling towards a conclusion which is terrifying. Conclusion of Tom. No, I'm talking about Tremas and yeah, the fact that Tremas says, I just want to check something out. When he says, I just want to check something to Nyssa, and does, is it then that he notices the grandfather clock? Or is it... He'd noticed it a second earlier. All oh, right. And then he was like, I'm going to have a re-look at that because we don't have So people will be screaming at me now as they listen, but is it the grandfather clock that's the TARDIS yes. in The Deadly Assassin? It is. Yes. Ah, thank you. And the clock... What time is the clock showing? Oh, I don't know. Five to midnight. It's <gasps> almost the end for Tom oh, Baker. Oh, that's horrific. Oh, Tom, Tom. Oh, Tom, Tom. I guess it made me feel really sad, actually, because he still had so much life to give Doctor Who, and uh, I, I don't feel annoyed that anyone else has taken over the role. I don't I feel like they all had their own bit to give, but... Tom Baker was by far the best. Like yeah. it's just an unchallengeable number one position, and it's just just such a shame him thinking of ever not doing it. But don't you think you needed to have that shame? No, not at that point. You think he would have get like to? I think a bit? another few seasons at least he could have 
done a much better job than everyone else. Really? It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, every Australian I've met who was a Doctor Who fan in the last few weeks where I've been on my tour, I've said that Tom Baker's the best. Just, mm. just no question. Yeah. And yeah, just the fact that he's not, he's not doing anything other than being Tom. Mm. That's not hard work. That's not. What time. was that line That's... from his interview that you mentioned? Oh the other yeah, day? he just said, "Well, I'm. If this is the only thing I'm remembered for, then that's fine, because I don't think I'm a particularly good actor, and so I shouldn't be remembered for my acting. What I should be remembered for is Doctor Who, where ostensibly he's just being himself. Yeah. And he says, well, I'm very good at being myself. <laughs> yeah, um, that's brilliant. Yeah. No, I. Yeah, it made me like him all the more, and just think. Yeah, uh, it, it's. When you find that one thing, like I feel I found that one thing that allows me to be me, I have a job that allows Alex to be Alex every day. Mm-hmm. He found that job. I don't think there's any Same other here. acting roles. Yeah, I've got that job. You. And so I think you should just keep doing that. I really don't feel you should be like, oh, you know, well, I've passed my best. I just think well, they called his bluff. John Nathan Turner called his bluff. Oh, when he's like, oh, I should give it up. And yeah, he's like, yeah, you will. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, everyone has their own agenda and they want to make their mark and yeah. you're the one that changed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but yeah, uh, getting rid of all of the politics, he could have definitely mm. carried quite a few more seasons. So what do you feel about Nissa joining the TARDIS? Because it was a late decision, so late that they couldn't change the script. Yeah. Um, but apparently even before they started recording, even before Nissa recorded their first scene, John Nathan Turner, I think it was over breakfast, said, um, we'd like you to join the TARDIS crew. Right. How do you feel about Nissa joining? Uh, well, I guess I'd always known she would, and I don't really care how it happens. Right. Like, I like her. I don't, yeah. I quite like the fact that the Watcher brings her in yes, the Goblins, because that's unusual. An, yeah. an oh, wow. Script, but yeah. it was kind of, yeah, it worked well. I think that's the brilliant thing with us and Doctor Who. It's like, whatever bit of a plot line you want to throw at us, we'll generally take it. Mm. Like, we don't want it to make huge amounts of sense. It's just... <laughs> It's just exciting when something new happens, mm. and that's what it was. It was exciting and new, and and yeah, she was a, a nice, bright, shiny new character that had heaps of promise. She could hit you with an iron thingy, an iron bonder, an iron bonder. But she, which we know in Castrovalva, she's suddenly stripped of because she can't be too powerful. That's yeah. the thing that gets waterlogged. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she would have been so good if she'd kept her. Yeah, that would be reconstruction. Yeah, it is. It's literal, literal, actual, practical disempowering of a woman. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm really intrigued because you still haven't said, and I really want to know, do you like The Keeper of Dragon? Oh, yeah. Uh, yes, I do. I do like it. Um, I guess it's the most Peter Davison-y Doctor Who by Tom Baker. Oh, really? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, it's... It's definitely moving to a place where plot is different. Plot is less well um, explained. There's a lot more kind of... It, it was a lot more runny-roundy. Mm. Um, and, yeah, no, I, it, it gave me new things. It gave me Adric and Tom being a team that I had not remembered. It gave a new companion that I did love, um, Cassia being enough to inspire me to name a child. 
<laughs> and yeah, and the master coming back after so long and becoming my master, becoming Anthony Ainley's master, who I loved and knew more than Roger Delgado. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it was, there's lots of positives for it. Um, yeah, I, I think the bit I was missing was just the motivations. I yeah. need to believe the characters and why and what. Mm. And there was just a, a, a section missing. But no, absolutely, it was good mm. and there was many positives. See, I'd go so far as to say it's probably in my top ten wow. of all Doctor Who. Wow. Probably like nine or tenth, but really high up for Gosh. me. I love the dialogue. I love the costumes. I love the characters. I love the sets. Yeah. The whole feel of it does something to me that's deep and in my soul. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's not there. Definitely not there for me. Yeah. But we're all different. That's why it's good. We've got the contrasting yeah. views. So, um, I can hear Roger Lim's gorgeous music as we start to think about what who's going to be in our Hall of Fame. <laughs> Hall of Fame. Um, Cassia, Cassia, thank you. No, can we just put Cassia in as many different spellings and then no one can get it right? <laughs> <laughs> Tree Mass. Yes. Seron. Seron. Can we put Nissa in? Because she's a companion. No. Neiman. Neiman? <laughs> Excuse me. You can't just have consonants, sweetie. It's very. Uh, Kachura and Luvik. I think we've got to have four, you see. No. We don't want Kachura or Luvik? No. Nah. Nah. So we're having Cassia, Tremas, Seron, and Neiman. Good work. Christy's, what, what's your pick? Kachura. Good. Good choice. I understand. Right. Oh, Iona! Who would you vote for, Iona? You saw bits of this. Who would you vote for? As the best character out of those four. Cassia, Seron, Tremas, or Neiman? I'll tell you that as a vote for Cassia. So. Now. (gasps) What's next? What's next? Shit. So, I don't remember who chose Kipratrakan. I think the universe chose it, actually. We yes, couldn't get away from it. Those. There's so many Kipratrakan moments that we had to just take it. Yeah. So, <clears throat> and I will play in shortly an interview with Cassia herself, or daughter Cassia. Oh, good. She's already pre-recorded. Yes. Um, but what else? Who's next? Which doctor? Pat. Pat Troughton. Mm. Oh. Gosh. So, I think I'm going to let you choose the story. Seeds! Seeds of Death! Yes! Oh, I'm quite excited. I love Seeds of Death. The next story, the next episode of our podcast, will be Patrick Uh Troughton, Wendy Padbury, and Fraser Hines in the Ice Warriors classic, Seeds of Death from 1969. Yes! How exciting is that? Very exciting. I'm just bracing myself for Gia Kelly here and now. I bet you are. And I'm bracing myself for slightly baggy costumes which show where your pants are. Oh, okay. Yeah. We all look forward to different things. We do. And on that note, I think it's time to say goodbye from New Zealand from me. And goodbye from me. And do you think you can get back for the next episode? Thanks. I'll try. Good job. I'll try. Good. Bye. Bye. 
And this week's holiday report follows the final part of the Doctor Who story, The Keeper of Traken. So I'm sat here with Cassia, and we've just been watching The Keeper of Traken. Yes, Cassia, because Cassia is the youngest of Alex's children. She's ten, and she's a wonderful, wonderful girl. Now, tell me, Cassia, you've just been watching The Keeper of Traken. What do you think of it? Weird. Weird? How do you mean weird? When they, like, shoot with the laser thingies, um, it's so fake. You mean from her eyes? Yeah. Oh, I, I see. But what do you think of the character of Cassia? Is this the first time you've seen Cassia? Yeah. What do you She's think? She's pretty. She's pretty, isn't she? Yeah. Like you. Ah, oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think about the fact that she's been taken over by the Melka? Do you think she's got a chance to be good, or do you think she's just bad now? Well, I I think she's, like, fighting a bit. I don't really know what's going on. No, there's quite a lot going on, isn't there? Yeah. What? She's trying to fight. Fight Melka, yeah. Because she, she didn't want to fire at her husband then, did she? Mm. So is there anything else that you think about the, the story? Um, anything you like? Or anything you don't like? Well, I think it was kind of funny... Um, how they were asking the keeper um, if the doctor and Adric, yeah, Adric, um, the doc, if they were asking the keeper if uh, they were good, and then the um, bad guy, Rock Man, <laughs> Rock Man, Melka, yes, <laughs> <laughs> um, came in and started, and the keeper saw him, and then he was saying like danger and stuff like that and they thought that it was the doctor yeah yeah that was a shame wasn't it that they got that wrong so anyway anything else you say before we finish anything else you want to say just say goodbye to everyone who's listening okay goodbye <laughs> goodbye cassia thank you some advanced news now which will be of great interest to all doctor who fans starting on bbc2 in the first week of november is the five faces of doctor who featuring in five adventures all five actors who've played the part, starting with the first ever story transmitted in 1963, starring William Hartnell as the Doctor. Do you drive a car? No, I can drive a car, but I don't. Why not? Oh, well, it's, it's sort of it's a rather tedious thing to do, isn't it, driving a car? Mm -hmm. No, I go by taxi cab. That's an expensive thing to do. Well, yes, it is, but I mean, if one's earning a living, one's got to spread it round a bit. Mm -hmm. I mean, if everyone was thrifty, taxi drivers would go out of business.